Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Thanks, brother. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. Uh, We continue our biggest story series, as Simon mentioned. Can I encourage you, if you haven't heard any of the previous four messages in the biggest story series, you can head to the website, horsham.org.au, and you can listen to them there or through iTunes and uh, catch up that way or just listen to it again. Sometimes we hear a message once and we kind of think, that was really good, but actually we need to go back and listen to it maybe once again or a few times over. So you can do that, go and listen to the messages again as we continue to explore what it means that every story whispers his name. Every story, mine, yours, even people that don't have a personal relationship with God, every one of our stories whispers the name of God throughout all eternity. And in that, God is whispering to each and every one of us as his children, as his sons and daughters, he's whispering to us, inviting us closer, as Lockie shared around communion, inviting us into a deeper, more personal, more intimate relationship with him. Uh, Simon, I love your invitation to, you know, get a date for the carols. And if that's what it is to stay warm, then keep it appropriate. I've been, I've been a part of a church, I've been a part of a church where they, the, one of the pastors will get up and he will start his message by saying, you know, there are, let's hold hands and pray. And he will say, and if you want to date the person next to you, just give him a squeeze. Now you might think, well, that's a bit far-fetched. I think he now has maybe 11 or 12 couples that have got married because they squeezed <laughs> during the prayer. So let's just hold hands and pray. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, I'm not. I just feel like that could get really derailed really quickly. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 60. Open up your Bibles if you have your Bibles there or if you are following along on your phone, your tablet, whichever way you're engaging with the Word, uh, let's get into it this morning. A few years ago, we, uh, we used to live on Tucker Street before we went to America for a while, and one night, we're getting the kids all ready for bed, and you know how it's almost like a strategic military operation to coordinate everybody at just the right time. I don't know what your household is like, but we, we like the children in bed early, and now they're getting older, which means they get to bed later, which means you have to wait later before you bring out the chocolate. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to share it with more people. Get your own. But this was back when they were, you know, smaller, younger, and we were getting them ready, and we had them all ready for bed. And just as they were about to go off to bed, the power went out, and there was the line, the line from our house across to the power pole, um, a tree fell on it and took it out. So it was just us. It wasn't even the whole street. It was just us. And I think it was around this time of the year or something. So it was still a little bit light outside, but not really, um, but getting dark. But you would think that going to bed, which means that you're eventually going to go to sleep, which means that you need to have your eyes closed, which means that it's dark, that would be okay. No. Because the power was out, And because the house was in semi-darkness, well, that brought the bedtime routine to a screaming halt, which didn't impress me. I'm like, you're going to bed to go to sleep. What's the difference? But no, we had to 
delay the whole process and the whole proceeding because we didn't have lights to see where we were going. To bed, to go to sleep, which didn't make sense. So the candles come out and the torches come out and all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of a bit exciting because we had, you know, the power crews had to come out and reconnect our line and, and get us connected back to the grid again so we could have power, but that took quite a while. But there was a bit of uh, panic and fear because the house was plunged into darkness. Do you know, we can't control, we can, these days we can control and we can shape and we can manage the light. You walk, you walk into this place and all the lights are on and we can see um, where we're going, what we're doing and we can have beautiful decorations and make it look really nice because of the power and the control that we have over light in today's world, today's society. And we take that for granted in a lot of ways because it hasn't always been that way and in some ways it's only the last 100, 150 years that we've been able to do that. Now for a while it was just one of these, thanks Paul. And so for a while it was just these and now we can use these for decoration. And for most of you, you wouldn't have even noticed this candle burning until we took out most of the other lights. I would have liked it pitch black, but that's near impossible. But because we've taken out every other light, most other lights, this one takes on more meaning, so to speak. This one gets more of our attention. I probably look a little bit eerie by candle. I don't know what it's like for you. I'm sorry. I can't see any of your faces, so you can do what you like right now. But even a couple of hundred years ago, like we can light these, if this one goes out, I've got another one in the drawer, we've got a box of them out the back. I can light a match, we can go away again and be good. But in centuries past, they would have had to spend a few hours up to a day making enough candles to light the home for a couple of weeks. But now we can do this, we've got one in the prayer room, we light these for fun, we light them for, for decoration, we light them to make the room smell nice sometimes. But we take it for granted, whether it's a candle that we can light when we feel like it, or, thank you Paul, all the lights in the building. And it's really frustrating, you walk into a room at home and you flick the switch and the light doesn't come on, it's like a bit of an ordeal, isn't it? You're like, oh, got to change the globe, and depending on your lights, depending on the light situation, what it's like, whether you've got another globe, that can be really frustrating. But we take it all for granted, until we don't have it. And then we become people in darkness and then there's maybe a bit of confusion. Maybe there's a bit of fear depending on your age, maybe depending on what you think about darkness, what it's like for you, your history in the darkness. That can really mess us up. And so Damo shared last week um, about Isaiah the prophet and the context that he spoke into, and the people of Israel that were in exile, they'd been taken captive by the Assyrians, so most of them um, were off in the Assyrian uh, capital, in the Assyrian city, and they were kind of getting settled. They were making a name for themselves, and they were starting to set up home there. And so they were um, beginning to flourish almost, in a place that wasn't actually their home. And I had the sense, as I was getting ready for today, we're going to get to Isaiah chapter 60 in a minute. I had the sense this, um, this morning, preparing, and you look at this, and even though they, had, uh, they were flourishing, they had their families, they were running businesses, they were quite comfortable, it's not where they were meant to be. So Isaiah 59, if you've got your Bible there, just before Isaiah 60, clearly. And I want to highlight a couple of verses for us. This is uh, Isaiah 59, verse 15. Truth 
is nowhere to be found and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. Why did he have to do that? Back in verse 2. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice, no one pleads his case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments and speak lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Down to verse 9. So justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but it's all darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like men without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we're like the dead. We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice, but find none. For deliverance, but it's far away. I just want to highlight verse 9 there. So justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but it's all darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. As much as the Israelites... So this is the children of God, the chosen nation of God called to be a priesthood to the nations, separated from God because of their own sin, because of their own choices to not choose the way of the Lord for their lives, for their families, for the community, for the nation of Israel. And so now they found themselves in exile. They found themselves in captivity and the sense that there is no justice, there is no righteousness, and they're living in darkness. The beautiful thing that I love through this entire story is the but God. The but God. Because the Israelites can't do anything on their own. They can't actually free themselves from captivity. They can't restore themselves to the promised land. But God. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw there was no one. He was appalled there was no one to intervene So his own arm worked salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that loves us so much that he sends his son as a baby to grow, to grow into an adult that would give his own life, that you and I, who are in sin, could be without sin and have a personal relationship with the Father. It's it's always God making the first move. It's always God moving towards us It's God who uses his own arm to work salvation for him and to restore us to righteousness, to extend salvation to us. And then we come to Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I feel like it needs a soundtrack, like it needs, you know, some kind of Star Wars music behind it or something to really just... Or it's just me. Uh, See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. 
and kings to the brightness of your dawn. I feel hope rising just reading it. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. So here's the prophet Isaiah speaking to the sons and daughters, the children of Israel, the children of God, in captivity, in exile, and saying, listen, it's darkness now, but the light is coming. It looks hopeless now, but hope is on its way. It looks devastated. It looks like it's going to be like this forever. But God is on the move. What you can't do for yourselves, says the prophet Isaiah, on behalf of the Lord, what you can't do for yourselves, God is going to do for you. They would hear this and be encouraged and strengthened to think that the Lord is on his way. The crazy thing is that we see, we see this from our own perspective, and that's the limitation of humanity. We don't have the eternal mindset, we don't have God's perspective. My ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, says in another part of Isaiah. So this is why we actually need to take the time to learn who God is and what he's like and what he's done with his people and for his people and through his people previously so we can lean on this understanding that we have of what he's like and lean on the promises that we have of what he will do even when we seem like we're in darkness because he's a good God that is at work for his people. God makes a covenant with his people. This is uh, Isaiah 59 verse 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you, my words that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on and forever. And I think that's really important because it can be easy sometimes to go, well, I read this, but this is about mm, 2,700 years old, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. What does that have to do with me today? Well, we have a promise from Jesus that for the descendants of those people, for all time, those who will be known as the children of God will be a part of this covenant, will be part of this agreement that God makes with his people. And I love it because it's not my glory, it's not my work, it's not my effort that is actually going to heal this land that's actually going to shine in the darkness, so to speak. We'll get back to that more in a minute. It's the glory of the Lord rising upon me. So here's the Israelite people in exile, in captivity under the Assyrian rule, not where they're meant to be. And there's this word that comes from the prophet Isaiah, who would have spoken to the nation for about 60 years. And he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And so they lean into this word that, isn't quite there yet and they wait for it do you remember the song i don't know i I don't imagine maybe we still do it um this little light of mine do you remember seeing that i'm not going to sing it for you now there's two songs that kept coming to my mind while i was preparing for today one of them is this little light of mine and the other one is shine jesus shine now some of you that know me well know my 
appreciation for Shine Jesus Shine. Uh, it's not on our list for a good reason. Does it, do you know the song Shine Jesus Shine? Yeah, good. That's where it will stay. But I'm not sure. So, look, if you love Shine Jesus Shine, that's great. We can have a conversation about it later. But I'm not sure. When it says, let your little light shine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not sure that's actually what we're called to do. Well, actually, I think we're meant to let our light shine. I'm not sure that it's a little light. Here, Matthew 5. Let's go to Matthew 5. This is Jesus uh, in the famous Sermon on the Mount, speaking to his disciples in the crowd. Most of us would know this. You are the light of the world, verse 14. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What are we the light of? The light of the world. We're not like a a little candle that is restricted to this very small space wherever we put it. Jesus speaks to every single one of us and it requires unity and community and working together and all of us operating in our gifts and our strengths that God has given us in order to be the light of the world. But I feel like sometimes in church land we, we, we diminish the light that we're actually called to carry, that we're called to be within this world. And we can do that for a variety of reasons. Maybe we've not had people speaking into us, encouraging us, equipping us, empowering us, reminding us of who we are as sons and daughters of God to actually shine the Christ light that we have, the Christ light that we are into the world around us. But Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Jesus came as the light shining in the darkness. You go and read John 1. He is the light shining in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. What does Jesus do? He gets his followers and says, I'm the light shining in the darkness. I now release that into you. I call you to be the light of the world. You and I have the privilege and the responsibility of being the light shining in the darkness. Linda shared a couple of weeks ago about expecting the unexpected and we can look at some of the statistics that we have about Horsham and the Wimmera and the state of affairs that we have at the moment, that domestic violence is high, teenage pregnancies is high, substance abuse is high. There's all these issues that we face across the Wimmera. And these are, you know, we're in the top five, top ten in the country and this is not the top ten list that we want to be on. And we can look at it and some people say, you know, we get closer to, we're getting closer to Jesus coming back because the world's getting darker. The world's not getting darker because Jesus is coming back soon. The world's getting darker because the people that are called to be the light shining in the darkness haven't been shining. Because we've had this little light and we've contained it and we want to be the light of the church. We want to be the light of our home, but we've stopped being the light of the world. Somewhere along the way, we've lost the power and the strength that Jesus actually imparted to us. As Simon mentioned earlier, when Jesus said, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 
Go, baptize people, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. What did Jesus command us? To be the light of the world. For somewhere we, we, we squash it down, we, we cop flack, or Christians get used and abused or persecuted for their beliefs, or we've done some stupid things in the name of Jesus or the name of religion, and so people in the world don't want to hear our voice anymore. But do you know what light does? It actually reveals truth. That if I go into a room and don't turn the light on and it's dark, my bearing, I'm operating on memory, I'm operating from what I remember that room to be like. And that's subject to Lego not being left on the floor. That's a whole other level of pain. But I'm navigating through and I'm not really sure about, especially, you know when you get up in the middle of the night and you're kind of half awake, half asleep and you're kind of just feeling your way and you're not really sure what it's like. I mean, you've lived in the house for years but you're still not sure if you're in the right place part just being in the middle of the night and so there's this fogginess that comes from being in the dark but if I just take a second and flick a light on I don't have to worry about it anymore for us to be the light of the world doesn't mean that we go through the world we go to the people around us our families our friends our communities our workplaces our schools whatever it might be our sporting clubs We don't go to them and say, hey, you're living in darkness. You're living in sin. You're separated from God. People know that. They might not articulate it like that. But being the light of the world, we're actually meant to show up into people's lives and say, this is who God is. This is who God is in my life. This is what he's done in my life. Let me shine the Christ light in your life. Does this make sense? Like, We have to stop living small and insecure and thinking that we can't actually let our light shine before all men. Because the beauty of it is that when I shine my light, it's not even about me. So if I mess it up, it's not about me. If it's successful and it goes according to plan, it's not about me. But when I step out in my Christ light, shining my Christ light, People look at me and they go, that's what God's like. And they might not articulate it like that straight away. They might not think like that straight away. But there's conversation. There might be relationship that grows. The other aspect of, like, this candle shines no matter what I think of it. Unless I snuff it out. These lights are on no matter what I think of them. Now, I can, I can blow it out. I can tell it it's not doing a very good job. I can say it should be bigger. I can say it should do it differently. It doesn't actually change what the candle does. It's doing what a candle does. What if we only knew what it was to be the light of the world? To actually break off, get rid of the insecurity that holds us back and thinks, oh, what happens if people don't like it? What happens if I upset somebody because I actually want to be the Christ light in their life? I'm not sure, and I'm trying to think. Maybe I have upset somebody trying to be the light shining in the darkness. 
Like, complete honesty, I think I actually upset more people in the church trying to be the light shining in the darkness than I do when I do it in the world. Somewhere along the way, we've lost what it means to be the light shining in the darkness. We've squashed it down. We've I don't know. It becomes hard or we get persecuted. This is the words of Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. For in the same way that they persecute you because of who you are representing me, says Jesus, they prophesied the ones that came before you. They they persecuted Isaiah 700 years before Jesus, because they didn't like what he had to say. Think about this for a second. So Isaiah, about 700 years before Jesus was born. Do you know, for, for the Old Testament prophets, how they knew if they were a true prophet of God? What they said came to fruition. They were proved to be right. This was Jonah's whole issue. So here's Isaiah, the prophet of God, prophesying about the light that was to come. But it doesn't happen in his lifetime. So can you imagine what it was like for Isaiah, a prophet of God, known to his people, prophesying about the one who was to come, and they're all like, when is this Isaiah? Isaiah's like, well, in God's time. 700 years after Isaiah, 650 years after Isaiah walks around, Jesus comes. And we can get hung up. We can, we can hold back. Maybe we didn't get hung up. We can hold back and think, mm, I don't know if I can actually step out and be the light shining in the darkness in this situation. Because what happens if I'm wrong? What happens if I make a mistake? My experience and what we see from Scripture is that God honours us even when we make a mistake in His name. I'm not saying to be anti-biblical, I'm not saying that we try and twist, pervert scripture, any of that, but I'm saying when I actually take a step of faith in the name of the Lord to shine my Christ light into the world around me, even if it doesn't go according to plan, God says, I see that and I reward that. That's how good a father he is. Isn't that amazing? He rewards those who seek him. And put him first. I have a sense as I was getting ready for this, for today, I had the sense that there is or there will be an increased opening for people to see us and what we do and how we do it. And to give glory to our Father in heaven. That there is a shift taking place for us as the people of God. 
And it's not that it will be confused with earning or approval or working for identity, it's far from it. Rather, this is an invitation for us to arise and shine. For our light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon us. The beauty of my relationship with the Lord, the beauty of any of us for the relationship with the Lord, our relationship with God, is that there is no striving. It's not my strength, it's not my might, it's not my power, it's not my wisdom. It's all His. I step out in faith and I shine my light into the world around me and that might be at home with my family, that might be in the workplace, that might be down the street. That you and me have the privilege of being the light shining in the darkness so that people will see us and give glory to our Father in heaven. That's one of the best partnerships that we can ever have. All because He chooses to draw near to us and work in us and through us to draw his sons and daughters back to him. Will you stand with me as we pray? As we were praying before the service this morning, I had the sense of people that have like a mental fogginess like you can't think straight you feel like you can't think straight you feel like your thoughts are cloudy you feel confused you feel like you can't make decisions like you can't make healthy choices can we just as Ross plays can we just all close our eyes and just again focus our attention and our affection on Jesus And normally we'd gather around people and pray for people. I didn't even feel like it was that opportunity this time, but it's just as Ross plays and we're ministered to in this time, that that confusion, that fogginess, that darkness would lift and that there would be, there would be light in our thoughts, in our mind, in our choices. In the perspective of how we see God and how we see ourselves. So, Father, we just release peace in this moment. We invite you to come and do what only you can do, Lord. We stand against the lie that it always has to be this way. We stand against the lie that this is your fault. We stand against the lie that you are stupid or you are dumb. We break off the spirit of comparison. As we sing this final song, if you, if you would like prayer, if you would like ministry for anything in your life, you need healing in your body, a miracle in your life, um, there'll be people down the front that can pray with you or maybe if you're here today, you can ask the people around you if, if they know Jesus, have that relationship with Jesus, you can ask them. If you're here today and you don't know God, as Lockie said at communion, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then let today be the day that you draw close to Jesus and receive what He has done for you.
So as we sing this song, if you want to know more about that, I'm happy to talk with you. Simon's here, Linda, one of the elders, even just somebody around you that knows Jesus, that loves Jesus. Let this be today, the day that we mark as the light shining in the darkness, knowing that the darkness has not overcome it.